Matthew Price back for another week. Uh, still scared, not dead. Uh, my guest this week is Alexandra West. Her film is Pet Cemetery. Uh, Alexandra is the host of the incredible Faculty of Horror podcast. Uh, so we'll get to her in just a minute. And as always, we've got a brand new sponsor. Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? You bet. It's Let's Scare Matthew Price to Death with your host, Matthew Price. Oh, another excellent show. Thank you so much for downloading us on your small device. Uh, I am Matthew Price, as I mentioned five seconds ago in the intro. Um, we are here with an amazing guest, and we're going to talk about a movie that uh, I'm very old, so I saw in its original theatrical release as a not child. Uh, uh, we are going to do that, and we'll talk about that in a minute with my guest. Before we do, as always, we do have a brand new sponsor. Every week we are sponsored by Something Frightening, and this week that is Small Places. Small places, tiny crevices where people, you get in and then you feel maybe a bit uh, uh, claustrophobic is the word. And that is a real fear, fear of the walls closing in, and uh, they just felt like they probably weren't getting enough love, so they decided to sponsor us, and uh, I want to thank Small Places for doing that. Um, my guest is, who are you? Say your name. Alex West. Thank you, I don't you, know Alex. if I did that right. Was that well, right? Well, is that how to say your name? Yeah, sure. Then yeah, you did it great. Great. Uh, <laughs> Alex is my, uh, probably next to Dr. Uh, Sheila Rowan Leg, my most uh, educated uh, guest ever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's great. Um, you have an amazing podcast, Thank uh, you, Faculty yeah. of Horror, and, uh, and it is way smarter than this one, but I, 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 I'm so happy that you decided to come and make mine a little smarter. So thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for asking me. Yeah. Um, what uh, movie? You picked a really good movie. I did see this movie when it came out. What movie did you pick? Pet Cemetery. Yeah. This is a good movie. It's a better movie than I remembered, actually. It is. It's um. It's an interesting movie because it doesn't really exist as part of any movement. I think um, maybe except the kind of oeuvre of Stephen King, but it's um. It's very much its own beast, and yeah. it's very singular in a lot of ways. And I, I really do appreciate it. It's for sure the most sort of maybe fetishistically Stephen King Stephen King movie, where they really go deep on the main accents and the. You know, most Stephen King movies are kind of removed from place, but this is uh, my favorite line of dialogue in this movie is, of course, aya, which everyone says in Maine. <laughs> I really like that they kept that in there because he says it a lot in the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, and even just kind of what it's about and how it how it sort of operates structurally, it feels like really true to the story, right? Yeah, and I mean Stephen King wrote the screenplay for it, and he also has a small cameo in the film, and so it kind of feels like I always feel like King is has a weird relationship with films. Like I know yeah. he loves them, and his adaptations, uh, I think like the, probably the most famous one of The Shining, he like is very kind of vehemently against, or seems yeah. to be, or has been in the past, and so it it 
feels like this one is the one he's embraced the most, the one he leaned into the most, and the yeah. one that's kind of respects the uh, the weirdness of his writing and some of the problematic elements of like the way he structures stories and uh, some of the oh, some of the turgid dialogue <laughs> in it. But all of those things, I think they they kind of add up. Even the elements that don't work, I think it kind of creates a really cohesive vision. Yeah, and I feel film. like watching this movie feels like reading a story that he wrote, mm-hmm. like in a hundred percent really good way, right? Um, you chose it for a very specific reason. So first thing, I just want to say, we can talk about the whole movie because uh, we have told people in advance that they should watch it. So anyone listening to this, I hope, has seen Pet Cemetery and hopefully recently. Yeah, it's uh, so good. Yeah. Um, what, so tell me, generally, what is the story of this movie? Well... Um, it is about a family, a very attractive couple with their two kids, a little girl and a toddler son, and they move to, I guess, a small community in Maine. It's not even a town. It's like a right. road. And he's there. To, he's coming to be the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be the doctor. This guy... Um, What's his name? Dale Midkiff. I know. I just, that's all I could think of it as. Or, or Doc. Yes. Um, Lewis. Lewis. Creed. Yes. There we go. Um, so they moved to a small town, uh, this small road town community thing. And uh, it's very idyllic in a lot of ways, but there are these you know, big trucks that go barreling up and down this road. Right. They live like right on the highway, basically. Yeah. Yes. And there's yeah. you know, no explanation as to what these uh, trucks are, or what they're doing. It's that kind of uh, king-esque thing of like this other corporation that exists somewhere and we don't really know about it. Yeah. The other really big example I can think about, uh, especially filmically for King is in the midst, in the mist. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they meet their neighbor, this kind of lovely old guy played by Fred Gwynn or Judd as he is in the movie. And uh, he kind of gives them these like snippets of the backstory of the community. And then all of a sudden they kind of see this little pathway down to the pet cemetery. And of course there is a pet cemetery from the community because so many pets have gotten hit by these big trucks. But yeah. there's actually so much more beyond the pet cemetery. Yeah, it's uh, it. So they get beyond the pet cemetery. There is, and this is again. I think this is a favorite for Stephen King. There's an ancient Indian burial ground. Fuck yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and when things and animals and people go into the ancient Indian burial ground, they monkey's paw come back to life. Basically, right? That's kind yeah. of the story. And unlike in the monkey's paw, no one is smart enough to go. Don't let them in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and the family, the Creed family, has a cat, and um, there's a tense relationship between Lewis and his um, in-laws, and so the family yeah. goes away. The cat gets hit. Judd and takes him out to the burial ground, right? Because he feels like if he tells the family, it's going to go against him with the in-laws, and he can't, he can't, he doesn't have a good relationship. And anymore. already, his wife, uh, played by Tasha Yar, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> she makes it a bit longer in this movie than in uh, Next Generation. There's no black goo in this movie. No. But, but no. Uh, but I love that her name in real life is Tasha Yar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it was a real, like, you yeah. know, actor's choice, I think, for that. She really fought for that. Yeah. And, um... Uh, so she already, you get the sense very early on that she is not okay with death. She doesn't like death. She doesn't want to be around Yeah, she it. has an incredibly unhealthy relationship. It's This is one of those movies where the parenting is spectacularly bad, right? All the bad choices. All yeah, of them. There's no truth. No one tells their children anything real. And it's all like, yeah, it's, it's almost like part of the movie is really about um, I, I feel like there is this thing that King is trying to argue for, which is like, you're not doing anyone any favors by not 
yeah. talking about this stuff. Here's what happens when you don't talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so she's got this kind of, as it's revealed through the film, uh, she had this sister who had a spinal meningitis who died in the back room of a house. And Rachel, the wife, Tasha Yar, yeah. let her die or believes she let her die. Yeah. And uh, so she's this kind of ghostly figure in the background constantly for Rachel. Um, and the and sister is Zelda. Zelda, yeah. And and that's my thing with the movie. Yeah. Like, I think the movie is overall great. Um, it's really fun. It, it's super it is. campy. Yes. It has a really good sense of gore. Yeah. Much but There's some really nice uh, um, gimmicks in this gore gimmicks in this film, like like a, a, a scalpel slicing through a person's like uh, ankle, ankle uh, tendon, through their Achilles tendon, where I'm just like, that is effective, yeah. you know? And actually, that was one of the things watching it that I thought, like, man, I never see, like, really good, effective, simple gore like this anymore. Like, even there's a, there's a ghostly character that's been hit by a truck who starts to visit uh, or visitate the doctor, like, in his sleep and, mm-hmm. like, when, you know, and only he can see him. And he's got great, like, smashed-in-head gore effects going yep. on and stuff. There's some really nice stuff in this in that way. Yeah, and it's very, like, it's horror in a broad sense. Yeah. Um, it has so many different elements of horror movies that are very particularly horror. Like, you can't call it anything else. Um, and for me, the most terrifying thing has always been Zelda. Yeah. This, like, it, 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 the rest of the film, I'm like, it's kind of goofy. It's kind of campy. I really like it. But the Zelda stuff really, really gets me. How much do you think... I'm curious about this. You saw this when you were younger, right? And that's yeah. part of the reasons that this really frightened you. Yeah. And the Zelda thing is really... One of the things about it is that the makeup is quite good. Oh, like, it's brilliant. It's, it's really looks like the their, her whole back is all sunken in and the vertebra is all showing through the skin. And it's like, not only is it gross, but it's gross in this very medical way that you're like, I bet I could see that at the hospital. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that feels like it's these figures that feel um, familiar, but they're distorted. Yeah. Like the limbs are too long. Yeah. The, it's, the, it rem- it's too bony. It's, it it's too reminded something. me a little bit of the crab walk in The Exorcist. Like It's yeah. like, oh, that's a human body, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and I think you see a lot of um, uh, other directors. Uh, the one that always comes to mind for me um, uh, is Guillermo del Toro, and he, the way he loves to use Doug Jones, yeah. the actor. Yeah. Into and his... also, I was just talking with this, the Spanish guy that played, it was in Mama. Uh, yes, that yeah, guy also thing. has a weird physicality, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. all these kind of elongated like female figures which don't feel quite right, but again, feel very familiar. Yeah. And um, and uh, it's it's always sat really badly with me. Yeah. The other thing about Zelda is that the face is strange because she's actually being played by a man, mm-hmm. and that I think that actually super contributes to how um, weirdly off it feels. Right? They don't really much disguise that it's a that it's a, a dude. Yeah, and and the voice is is. Like strange, it's very uncanny valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you? And so you had nightmares about this, right? Yeah, I. Uh, so I saw it at a sleepover, and um, uh, I played when I was ten or eleven, and we got to the kind of final Zelda scene, and one of the other girls, we were all terrified and yeah. one of the girls just started crying and she was so scared we had to turn it off and uh, then we all kind of like kind of got some sleep that night and then I remember the next day I was just so scared I was on it like wound like incredibly tight and uh, and then for years I stayed away from it eventually I read the ending in the book 
Okay. So I kind of knew what happened in the end. Right. And then I was in university, so I was in my early 20s, and uh, some friends of mine, it was around Halloween, they were like, let's rent some horror movies, let's rent Pet Cemetery." I was like, no, that one really scares me, I don't like it. And they were like, come on. And so we did, and we watched it, and this Zelda stuff still freaked me out, but I was okay. And I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see the campiness of this film, I really yeah, liked yeah. it. And then I had nightmares for two weeks straight. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, did you watch it again for this? Oh, yeah. I've okay, seen so it. you're cool few, now. You can do it. Well, I've seen it a few more times, and the other times I've seen it, um, I, I've left the room during the Zelda scenes. Okay. I'm like, I'll just go hang out in the hallway, and I'll come right back. So it really is still just, like, terrifying to you. Yeah, it's, but when, it's I watched it, yeah. Uh, when I watched it last week for this, I, I like, white-knuckled it through the Zelda scenes. I, like, gripped my, like, the couch, the edge of my couch, yeah. and was just like, I'm going to watch this! Here's the great thing about, this is what I like doing about doing this particular show is everything is about supposed to be about scaring me but i have no baggage so i watch yeah. these movies and i'm like i was scared but it's you know i was fine but man for the guests it is horrible they have picked the yeah. movie they least <laughs> want to see again yeah <laughs> and here we go yeah and uh yeah it's and it's interesting a couple other people have mentioned to me the zelda thing really affects them so i think yeah. this is maybe a kind of subgenre of fear like the zelda sub it's also like there's a lot of different horror things there's the child mm-hmm. coming to get you horror thing which i think is really well handled in this yeah um man i love that performance by that little kid the one who plays a little yeah. boy gage yeah is really great it's it's the purest kind of evil of like this is fun yeah <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's got beautiful kind of like sort of, it shifts all over the place in some ways. Yeah. It's, um, there's so many elements to this movie and the story, which I, I think for the, especially for me, the dialogue is the biggest problem. Um, as a writer, it's just, it's so hammy. Yeah. Um, it's really and, on the nose. And even, scenes, uh, yeah. like as the story progresses in church, the cat comes back from the dead and he's kind of evil. And then very tragically, the young son Gage dies by the same, you know, he gets yeah. hit by a truck. And, um, and then, uh, I mean, I think a big part of the problem mm, is that Midkiff is not a very good actor. No. And so even apart from how good or bad the dialogue is, he's supposed to be playing this guy that descends into madness to the point where he even considers bringing the kid back to life, even though it is clear from the cat. It's not a good idea. It's a bad idea, right? So it's got to be played with a certain amount of mania Mm -hmm. that this guy just cannot. You sort of imagine somebody like, Jeff Goldblum in the part, and you kind of go, "Oh, I get what this is." Like, you well, know. do you know who the original ask was? Oh too? no, that... oh Bruce Campbell. Oh, one hundred percent would have been. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's a, yeah, exactly. That's the rumor anyway. Yeah. I, I don't. That's have... a great yeah. idea, and really, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like someone who can, although he would have played it much campier, and that mm-hmm. would have been fine too. But yeah, you would buy that he had gone mad. Yeah, Dale Midkiff's Mid- this. He's very he's so what? bland. Yeah, he's like, real all American. Even kinda... like his good lookingness. Is so bland. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I guess you're handsome because I don't know what else to call you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in that scene when, you know, right before Gage gets hit by the truck and and it's just uh, him and the family. And and they all like throw, but even before that, they like throw their heads back and they laugh and it's just like, oof. Oh, this is heavy. And then they notice the kid's in danger and it all gets very dramatic very quickly. Yeah, there's an enormous amount of bad parenting in every way. Neglecting, yelling at the wrong time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not listening to your kid when she's like, Daddy, I don't want you to stay here on your own. And like, Daddy's a little like, woohoo. 
Yeah. And already, and and it's yeah, it's constant bad decision making. Yeah. And yeah. even um, what I like about the film is that there's so many different elements to death. Like there's the kind of visage of Zelda. There's the actual. Um, Church the cat and Gage who come back from the dead and then Pascal who's the um, uh, man who gets hit by the truck or car right. or whatever and uh, and Lewis tries to save him and he comes back as this kind of figure telling him like don't do this yeah and yeah the second, it's Lewis, a bad idea yeah. Yeah, yeah and so you have this other kind of form of ghostliness this other form of death right which is way more about a, a malevolent ghost who's like trying to mm-hmm. like actually not let and I always else. like that he goes from like Lewis isn't fucking listening to me he's going crazy so then he goes to the wife right and then he's like trying to guide her and i i just love like that moment when um she the wife um realizes something is wrong and so she's heading back to figure out like to go check on her husband and um and uh she's got this sense that something's guiding her and then uh she gets dropped off by this truck and uh you know the ghost says like this is where i stop I'm I'm worried I'm worried things aren't going to work out for you. Yeah, and I'm just like, Whoa! it's yeah, it's, it's too scary for moment. the ghost. Yeah, <laughs> it's such an interesting yeah. moment, and it's it's a really unique moment, um, which is a lot in this film. Did you know who Fred Gwynn was when you watched uh, it? I did because one of my favorite movies as a kid was My Cousin Vinny. Okay, so. but did you know about the monsters? <laughs> no, and stuff, I, and not not until later. Okay, not until later. Okay, yes, because obviously nice I think one of the things is that he's bringing in this pedigree of having been in sort of schlocky scary things you know in the 60s he's an amazingly talented actor i think a very underrated guy right yeah and um um, and i think a lot of people kind of get hung up on uh the really broad main accent he's doing in the film which is really funny but once you get over that he's really kind of going through all of these moments throughout the film like he's told the family about it then he doesn't know why he told them about it and now he's like just he knows things are bad and he can't fix them yeah and there's a lot of like his character is really interesting. There, there's a lot of decisions he makes that I don't think he really understands why he's making them. Yeah. Like that, that it's almost like, I almost feel like the, the actual burial ground thing yeah. is sort of exerting its will on him, making him do things that actually probably aren't a good idea. Yeah. And there's another element in the book uh, that they only hint at very briefly in the film of the um, Wendigo figure, this kind yeah. of like monstrous character in the forest that right. like, exists around them, um, which uh, you only hear like the kind of noise of it once uh, in the film, but it's it's a much bigger element in the book. And um, yeah, there is a sense that this thing is all around them and it spreads and it recedes. And right. And it's how it gets yeah. its power by yeah. living through the things that come back. Right? Yeah. How much do you think, because I don't think this is the only movie where King uses, there, there are some broad sort of like mm-hmm. cultural appropriations going on in this movie, yeah. right? Um, but I also, like I was thinking about it, it's, we don't really have, I mean, North America is so brand new for white people. There's not really like, so like when you set a film in Europe and you can draw on like, you know, 10,000 years of European history, mm-hmm. so you, so vampires and things are super easy to do. It, we, you know, I think about a movie like this or Poltergeist, mm-hmm. you kind of have to, you know, grab your own mythology where you can. And that ancient Indian burial ground thing is like, what else is there? Like, yeah, there's not a lot of it. And I think that's why American horror or North American horror in particular tends to veer towards more like real life killers. Yeah. Uh, or gothics, right? Yeah. Where it's like more about sick families. And, yeah. yeah. Or, or this kind of unknowable evil that's only a generation removed, which is really, you know, what Michael Myers, uh, Jason Voorhees, uh, Freddy Krueger are. They're just, you know, one generation behind right. the main they, characters. This just happened. Yeah. And now, yeah. Yeah. It's a new history that is. 
yeah. kind of coming back. You know, it's sins of the parents. And I mean, what, if anything, as North American settlers are we doing, but, you know, being revisited upon the uh, yeah. ghosts of our sins of our parents. And Do you feel ancestors. so? Yeah. So is there an element of this for you that plays like um, this is a revenge on sort of the occupation of this thing? And yeah, in I that think, sense, you know, that's like, one of those ones. If you really sit with this film for a while. Um, it, it comes out because yeah. I think when you look at film, um, you have to examine all the little like breadcrumbs the writer or director leaves for you. Um, and one of my favorite uh, quotes ever about writing film to the point I actually have it up on my wall in my bedroom is um, uh, one from Roger Ebert. And uh, he said, films are not what they're about. They're about how they're about them. Yeah. So Pet Cemetery is not about death. It right. is about the way different people experience death and the way that, um, you know, we settled this continent through a lot of blood and uh, a lot of that we've, evilness That we've and tried to forget about and build yeah. nice houses over. Yeah, and, and it comes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And even the fact that he's the doctor, I think, plays into that a little bit, right? Yeah. And, um, do you feel like this is a move? Well, I will throw this out there. You mm -hmm. do a podcast yes. called Faculty for You do it from a very... Um, you sit from a very feminist place, mm -hmm. I think, and comfortably so. And yeah. it's not like um, something you're either shying away from or the fact that this is directed by a woman at a time when I think women were not necessarily directing a lot of horror. Mm -hmm. Do you think it doesn't feel particularly like it's a movie that's trying to move in a feminist way or show off that aspect of itself? I don't think but, so. But is it there anyway, kind of inherently in certain ways for you? To or? me, the, the biggest feminist aspect of this film, and it was directed by Mary Lambert, who was um, a music video director, really right. big one. Um, right. I believe this was her first feature. Um, the biggest fe feminist element to me is the fact that it's so well directed and it is so well shot. Yeah. And I was like, every time I watch it and after I get over the Zelda moments, I'm like, God, this is a beautiful movie. Yeah. It's it a really, really beautiful yeah. movie. Like yeah. all these like vignettes and the way she shoots, like the majority of the story takes place, you know, between these two houses in a pet cemetery. And then this kind yeah. of, but it doesn't place. feel like hemmed in like, a no. And there are all these different angles and it's always changing and evolving. Yeah. Um, Even the palette's really nice in the film. Yeah. It's, really it's, nice it's again, it's really and, yeah. unique. There is um, a real kind of singularity to it. And then she went um, and did uh, the sequel, which is actually one of my favorite movies movies pet cemetery too okay I love that movie i love it so hard <laughs> um, i like it more than the uh, original uh and then yeah it's it, she didn't do very much um until i think she did some uh tv and stuff uh until about 10-ish years ago when she directed the third urban legends movie right yeah okay. which is uh, you know no one needs to see that Aww. i mean i've seen it but yeah you but know, you have a professional obligation. Yeah, unless you're a real urban legend completist. Well, sure. You know, you know who doesn't have the box set? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think, I mean, I think that, uh, that that in a way, by not making it about her own sort of feminine perspective on things, it's probably stronger. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, and maybe there is also, there are certain elements to the film, like um, the female characters, you know, Rachel, the wife, um, uh, and the other main female character is Missy, who's the housekeeper. Yeah. Very briefly, who 
uh, commit suicide right. due, due to uh, like a medical issue that she's in so much pain. Yeah. And that's another aspect of another sort of the aspect death, of death of like... That's just surrounding this family yeah. in yeah. really weird Constantly ways. having to make them yeah. not explain it to their children. And they're not, like none of these women are bombshells. Like they're, you know, especially uh, Tasha Yar. She's a very attractive woman, but she's not, you know... But it, yeah, in the mold of like regular humans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that woman can rock a boxy blazer. Like it's cool. <laughs> yes. There's There's no... Um, I don't find it there's any uh, male gaze, which is where the camera kind of engenders a male gaze, therefore right. sexualizing right. Um, right. the women on screen. Yeah. Um, and that's a very famous theory by Laura Mulvey, if anyone's interested. And uh, yeah. No, I mean, if anything, the, the gaze is on him. Like yeah. there's some of it, not not a huge amount, but if anybody's a sex object in the movie, it's it's Dale Midkiff. <laughs> yeah, like you know, in they'd that like sense. it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, and uh, I, I will mention this as an aside about this female gaze thing because I, you know, obviously once you are made aware of it, it's like mm. pretty obvious that it's there. Um, uh, one of the other shows that we uh, that we did was about the movie Dream Quest, which is with. Uh, um, uh, um, Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that movie has an enormous male gaze on Dennis Quaid. He is an <laughs> unbelievable sex object in the movie. Well, it's uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, what can you yeah, do? He's got beautiful abs. <laughs> um, uh, so, where do we want to go with this? Do you think that this is uh, a missed opportunity? Like, would they almost sort of had, had they almost sort of found a new way to do horror movies that there could have been more of these and maybe it just wasn't because it was saddled with maybe like a bat, you know, not the greatest cast and because it doesn't feel like 80s horror. Yeah. And it I doesn't mean, really feel like 90s, like the Scream and that sort of self-reflexive stuff. It's like its own thing, right? Yeah, it's very much its own thing. It's intergenerational. Um, again, the ways we were talking about, it's not just death in one way, which is what a lot of horror movies yeah. can get centered on. Or any movie that deals with death, it deals with it in a very specific way. And this has so many different uh, ways into death or ways out of death um, that it's very ambitious. It's very ambitious. And I don't know if you can sell a lot of studios on yeah. doing something this ambitious that's not a clear cut this is what the big bad is and it it's one thing that i find is missing now from horror films is this is very much a studio film mm -hmm. does not feel like an indie nope. even remotely and i almost never see horror films that are not that are not indies yeah and um, that really that like kind of proudly wear that mantle yeah and, and i, I really i think like beyond it. the conjuring films there mm. aren't really that's it right like those are like the studio horror films of the last 20 years yeah yeah or those kind of of that ilk like the ouija movies and yeah. and or um any some maybe some of the found footage ones i guess but, but yeah. again like they're yeah. trying so hard to not look like studio films found footage films i don't have i'm not like against in mm. general i think there are some good and yeah. some bad but they they purposely feel rough right yeah. And there is something about that sense of like, you know, watching this movie and watching a movie like The Entity and like that there was this tradition of like The Omen of like, these were like big budgeted, mm -hmm. regular mainstream films that had like, you know, solid campaigns promoting them and, re you know, directors that worked in other genres. It wasn't like just this and it's missing, right? Like, I feel like we're losing something there. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there's there's still a lot of uh, reticent to be horror as a genre. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's seen as lowbrow. It's seen as, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think maybe the next big one coming up would probably be It. 
Yeah, that is and your, that's yeah, a huge yeah, studio one. Yeah, and so and maybe it's Stephen King that's the only thing that they can hang. He's so main, like he is mainstream yeah, horror, yeah. even though even if not everyone knows it, he's developed so many of our ideas about fear and the way we experience fear and the way we talk about fear. Uh, and he's gone at it in so many different ways. I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of his writing, but like the breadth of his work is pretty staggering. Like you have to kind of like respect, you know. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, and there's, and you know, hopefully, I mean, I have no idea how it will play and whether uh, they'll be able to. It feels like they're not going to get past the part of the book that's about the kids. I think but, it's a, it's a two parter movie. Oh, is it? So they're that's so they're going to. Oh, okay. So this one, uh, the one coming out this September, is uh, the kid one, and then I believe next year they're doing the. They're going to do one. the the grown up version. That's okay, that that feels like it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that book needs both to really make sense. Does it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm the person who grew up reading his stuff. Mm. Like I felt like I was right in it for a while and I was yeah. really trying to read everything. And yeah. I stopped after a while cause you can't, no one can keep going, but it's too yeah, much. yeah. But there's also uh there's hope I think cause his kid writes some pretty, pretty good yeah. stuff too. And there's some, there's some very movie like stuff going on there. I'm hoping mm-hmm. we get a movie out of heart shaped box and, Yes. You know, there's some good and stuff hopefully happening. it's better than Horns? Was that his? Yeah, Horns yeah. is his, and it's not great, because no, Al- Alexandra really... Asia is not great, I'd say. Um, really? I don't think he's that great. It's okay. I'm a fan of his, and I hated Horns. Yeah. yeah. I think he's not totally... He did Piranha. Like, he's not... I don't know. Yeah, but Piranha was its own thing. Yeah. It, like, did exactly what it set out to do. Have you seen the Hills Have Eyes remake? No, I have not. Holy yeah. shit, is yeah. that a movie? I will say that, you know, the original had that big uh, bald guy in it, and that is exactly what I look like with all my hair shaped. Oh, really? It. Michael Berryman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like him. It's quite creepy. That's a good Halloween costume. It was. I thought I was going as Mickey from uh, Natural Born Killers, but it turned out I was going <laughs> as him. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. 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 Um, where? So what else have we left out? Anything else you want to talk about with this? Um... I don't know. Uh, if you have kids, will you show this movie to them? I'll never have kids. Okay. But, um, I look forward to taking my friends' children yeah. and letting them watch it and then delivering them safely back to their parents. Oh, fantastic. And being like, have fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And then knocking on their window at 3 a.m. Yeah. Scratching. Like, yeah. Never get out of bed again, Rachel. Like that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a movie that... Um, I'm kind of in love with. I kind of think it's really silly and I'm really scared of. So it occupies a really weird space for me. And that's me. a special spot for you, right? It is. Yeah. It's it's a movie I haven't been able to shake. And I think, um, you know, as a uh, semi-academic, um, I, I got into it because the horror movies used to really scare me. Some yeah. of them still do. Um, and if I can rationalize a way out of it. Yeah. Have you, have you written anything about this? Pet Cemetery? Yeah, yeah. I've written about Pet Cemetery 2. Okay. Um, but not really Pet Cemetery. Um, and I will again. I will emphasize. Pet Cemetery Two is one of my favorite movies. Is it the Grease Two of the series? <laughs> no, it started as like this is my guilty pleasure. And Andrea uh, Subasati, who's the co-host of Faculty of Horror, was like, "This is your guilty pleasure." And then I was like, "No, you know what? No, this I is think a good I movie. I love this movie. Yeah, it's, it does a lot with um, some really interesting sequel tropes and I don't believe in guilty pleasures. And... So things are good or they're not good. Oh. Do you like it? It's good. Oh God. I know. Oh, yeah. never mind. This is my favorite thing when people online or whatever, they're like, well, there's the movies I like, and then there's the movies that are good. I'm yeah. like, those, those should be the same thing. Yeah. You're not doing it right. 
Yeah. Um, but no, I, th I think um, it's uh, Pet Cemetery um, is a really singular film for how ambitious it is, and how much I think it either pulls off or gets very close to pulling off. Yeah. Uh, it tells a lot of story in I think a bit over ninety minutes. There's and it it's it's not taking any easy ways out. I mean. There is a scene where that kid parachutes out of the ceiling onto him with the, you know, like there's some really complicated setups and stuff. They're yeah. not trying to cheat it or like do it off camera and, you yeah. know. It, yeah. uh, it leans into it, which yeah. I think is really exciting and really different. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, look, thank you so much. Where can people find Faculty of Horror? Uh, you can find us on iTunes and at facultyofhorror.com. Excellent. You can find us, as always, on modernsuperior.com and uh, as well please click the Patreon link on modernsuperior.com. We always appreciate that. That's a huge win for us when people do it. Lots of folks have, and we really appreciate all of them. Uh, we will be back with another movie. Uh, in the meantime, um, I really enjoy talking to you about this. Thank oh. you so much. Thanks for traumatizing me again. Yay, me! <laughs> and you weren't traumatized? Uh, yeah, at the time, no, because I was. it came out in 80... 89? 89, I, yeah. was, I was 18. So I feel like I was old mm -hmm. enough. I was scared. I'm yeah. not going to say I wasn't scared, but I wasn't traumatized. So thankfully. Okay. But I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I'm uh, not a good person. I think that's really what's, what we've just I know. determined You know, here. clearly the only good people are the ones who kind of occasionally wake up in the middle of the night and see that one dark corner of their bedroom and are like, I wonder if Zelda's in there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, she probably is. I should probably just probably. hide. I will say very quickly that my most frightening thing ever in a Stephen King book is, is in, have you read Gerald's Game? No, I've heard about it though. Gerald's Game is coming out. Uh, there is yeah. a movie coming out. So Gerald's Game is about a, uh, they're in a, a cottage that's in the middle of nowhere doing some kind of uh, naughty sexual stuff and the guy dies on top of her. Yeah. And she's tied up. She can't leave and she can't shake him loose and he's dead on top of her. So she's trapped there. Um, at one point in, when she's sort of semi-hallucinating or not sure what's happening, she looks over and sees someone standing in the corner. And then cool. she like freaks out yeah. and then she goes, oh no, oh, it's only a pile of clothes. Oh. And then the pile of clothes walks towards her. No. <laughs> oh. Don't tell me that shit. And that is when I had to put the book down on the oh. subway because I was so terrified. I was like, no. <laughs> shit. That, yeah. Oh, just that image. Yeah. So me. scary. So oh. yeah, that's coming too. We'll talk about that at some point oh when God. I do my scariest movie, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. We'll be back and uh, talk to you then. This episode has been brought to you by the Modern Superior Podcast Network. 